Hey, what's up, Sinners and Choosers? Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. My name is Joe. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, exciting times for me. I don't have a day job. I am gainfully unemployed. I left on my own good accord and decision, and uh, it's weird, man. Like my first month, I felt like I had all the time in the world, and now it feels like I have no time at all. And so uh, I've not been able to fully relax. I've slept more, but I wouldn't say I've relaxed. But I have been doing more comedy. That's been fun. Been driving around the state a little bit more. That's been fun. Been able to hang out with friends when they've been in town. Also fun. Been trying to convince women in my life that there's such a thing as a soul and the source energy. That's been less fun. But I do want to talk about that for a second, though. What is it exactly that's a soul? What are we describing when we describe a soul? It's not quite the heart, not quite your personality. Knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, you're talking about some, some magical idea that, that you and your consciousness are not attached to your body, but that you're really like an avatar that you can plug and play. That's one definition of a soul. But to me, my soul is the part of me that recognizes that I'm a part of whatever it is we call God, too. When my soul feels unfulfilled, like it's like I'm just going through the motions of life, like I'm on the wrong path, when I'm, when I'm not around with people who I resonate, then my soul feels out of whack. I feel disconnected from humanity as a whole. But when I do things that feed my soul, whether it's music, dance, whatever it is, all the random spiritual shit I've talked about on the podcast, what we're talking about is reconnecting your feeling as an individual to the greater collective whatever we are. We're talking about our connection to life itself. We're phoning home. And so for me, that type of soul, that thing is realer than anything I've ever read on the internet. So that's why it's cool to have my guest today, Casey Whitaker, because uh, she's been a part of a little group of us that have been hanging out in Los Angeles, calling ourselves the Resonation Group. Uh, because we want to find people we resonate with and talk about spiritual stuff. And we've it's only been a small group of us, but uh, Casey has become a good friend of mine in recent months and uh, somebody I can talk about souls with, and I, I don't have to have a defensive explanation to people I'm trying to date. She's a hilarious comedian. Uh, she was on the Second City Touring Company until she uh, just moved here to Los Angeles. She's a playwright. She's a great friend. We talk about those subjects. We also talk about why Casey's getting into heaven, talk about talking to God, what is God, what are souls? Is heaven real? Theories on guardian angels. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation. And if you like this one and you want to hear old ones, you can go to chooseyourownreligion.com where you can hear old episodes. Uh, if you like this show, please subscribe on uh, however you subscribe to stuff, whether that's you know Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it now, uh, Google Play. What I probably what your podcast thing, the way you listen to it, has it. So uh, subscribe on there. Also leave a rating or a review. Uh, on either on whatever platform you can just hit like click a star not thing beside uh, it helps so uh, please do that if you like it and uh, if you're in Los Angeles I have another live choosing religion coming up June 3rd 6 30 p.m. at the clubhouse in Los Feliz check the Facebook page for more we've got old podcast guests Virginia Jones and Katie Dawson uh, they were on the show uh, the past year I believe and so they're gonna be on the show it's a comedy show it's a bunch of uh, stand-ups and storytellers telling religious material stuff from their life takes on god etc we've got improvised bible stories from uh the improv team warby parker who are hilarious and uh, i'm gonna be playing music there's a free jump circle 
There's free wine. Always a great time at these live Choosing Room Religions. June 3rd, would love to see you. That's all for notes. I love you. Thank you for listening. Please welcome Casey Whitaker. Allow the soothing music and uplifting affirmations to center your heart and mind in an awareness of God's love. Wake up, my dear sinners. Wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers and know that you are blessed? I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you the best. And I hope that you choose your own religion. Are you in? Yeah, I put the headphones on the smallest. I put the headphones on the smallest setting. It made me feel good. Like, I have a small head. You do have a... I mean, yeah. Like, I've never thought about the size of my head. And then just now, I was like, I'm putting these on the smallest setting because I have a cute little head. <laughs> Even though I maybe don't, but that's how I feel right now. If you, you feel like you have a cute... I mean, yeah, it's a cute little head. Yeah. I mean, I feel... Like, I doesn't have hair on it, and it's cute and small, and I put a thing on it on the smallest setting. Mm-hmm. So. I've never... Um, I've never experienced associating feeling small with being like cute because it's the idea of like for me whatever I was like as a kid I guess as boyish stuff you're like no small is, is bad no for women small is cute oh yeah I, all we have <laughs> all we hear is the small is great be yeah. small and skinny and yeah small in the sense of what you say too wait where do you hear that from just where, like society where, where, where are you hearing this from society uh okay whatever you say I hope you, you cannot can argue with me because time's up. <laughs> Time is up. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming over. I'm sorry I'm a little frazzled. I have a flat I'm tire. I'm so sorry. Thousand yeah. oaks. Uh, but I'm good now. I was in the park making some music with some friends and I came back. There was a nail. My thing is just a hassle. But the AAA pulled through. AAA was great. Yeah. I feel a little inadequate because, you, you know, uh, somebody I've been talking to just had like their tire go out last week and then they had like a neighbor help them and they figured out how to do it on their own and mm-hmm. here i am like oh i totally have no idea how to do this i mean like i also could have googled it on my phone if i really yeah. wanted to if i wanted to like force but if you myself got triple a membership you need to take advantage of that well i need to want to get back here for this podcast yeah. too yeah so, um, yeah if you had more time you could have totally figured it out yeah yeah um but i didn't that's okay. We always got flats on tour, but the stage manager would always fix it. When you say on tour, can you tell me? This is Second City, right? Yeah, yeah. So you were Torco Second City. Mm-hmm. Is that... Now, when you tour with Second City, that's like the, that's where um, you... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember something like... In Second City, improv is done to create sketch scenes, and then you take the written sketch scenes and take those on the road, right? Yeah. So it's a written sketch show. On yeah. The road, sometimes right? there's some improv, but yeah. Okay. I actually just had a friend see the current Torco in Durham, North Carolina. Oh yeah. Like a week I think I've ago. done that tour. Yeah. Um, I, I did Yanceyville, North Carolina. Yanceyville. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm that surprised. Do you know what that is? Insane. What was in Yanceyville? Um, Honestly, I think it was because one of our producers at the time was from there. Mm. So that's how like it got set up. And like they clearly 
Right, so we stayed at some hotel that was like filled with cockroaches and had mm-hmm. like a George Bush like magazine mm-hmm. like in the waiting room. That, a George Bush magazine? Yeah. It like, said George Bush on it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know you mean. George Bush it, magazine? Yeah. Like, it was from so long ago that they hadn't put out new magazines. Like, 92 Bush? No. Okay. Uh, 04. Yeah. Like, 04 era. I don't know. It was just, everything was old. There was cockroaches. Uh-huh. In the theater, there was no Wi-Fi, which is, like, really hard right. for people. That's difficult. Um. And then in the middle of the tech rehearsal, this woman like ran on stage and was like, which one of you is the vegan? What is that? What's it? What's vegan? Can you have chicken? It was hilarious. Someone, an audience member did that? No, like the woman who was feeding us before the show. Uh, oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I, I'm like, there, I'm like, I've been in North Carolina a long time. I grew up in North Carolina, but... Uh, I was like, I can't picture just somebody who was totally just watching a tech rehearsal. No, no. Didn't have a relationship with you guys. Like, hey, which one of you is vegan? No. That would be extreme. Also, when we went to the town square, which was like three shops. Right. One actually had a sign on it that said, sorry, gone fishing. And it was like not a joke. It wasn't a novelty <laughs> sign. Right. It was yeah. straight up like, I'll be back later. I am literally fishing. But this in a store lake. isn't open right now because right. I'm fishing. Right. Yeah. That That's, uh, I, I, you're making me miss my home state a little bit. Okay. But I did not like the war monument where they split the whites and the colored. Oh, I haven't, I have I don't know that war monument. Right. But, but that was upsetting. That doesn't sound like a great And war then we monument. walked through the cemetery because the, the, the store is closed. So right. you're going to walk through. But my favorite thing was this guy had like a tombstone and then, you know, some of the old ones, they have like quotes or words to live by on them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His was like Carl Wilson. I don't know. I did my best. Like, that's, I just thought awesome. that was so great. That is great. Yeah. That's the kind of people over in North Carolina. You can you can find those. Yeah. It was cool. Did you, you know, did you grow up in a small town or anything? No, I mean, it was a suburb of Dayton, Ohio. Okay. Beaver Creek. So that, that's still small enough, what I was about to say, is that, like, I was just picturing your, your touring, and now, granted, it's sketch and not improv, but, like, anytime you're, like, touring something like that to more outskirts area, areas mm-hmm. that don't normally get, especially with long-form improv in particular, mm-hmm. which is hard to see a lot of it in person unless you live in New York or L.A. or Chicago, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's, like, mana. You know, it's just, like, the mana to, like, these... uh like comedy nerds who are local to those those scenes be like oh Mm -hmm. my god there's some fucking like legit chicago people coming could you feel that when you would travel yeah yeah there were times where people totally knew what second city was and sometimes you know there'd be workshops or if they reached out beforehand and invited us to their small improv theater that local theater if we could we would totally go play there or like go hang and yeah how long were you on tour for um like four or five years whoa yeah like 365 yeah i started full time in 2013 13 14 15 16 did you just live on the road that whole time yeah but you would come home every week too okay so you'd be gone Thursday to Sunday, but you were home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, wow. 
That still is a lot of travel. Yeah. I saw, I think I only have 10 states I haven't seen. Wow. Would you ever, but so you you always came back and you never stayed on like one? Sometimes we would do longer residencies. My final tour was a two week residency in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's so cool. Yeah. That was crazy. And this was, how do you feel overall about, about this experience? It was a dream. It was a dream job. And it sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my fear was that I would never feel ready to leave because what other, I mean, obviously moving to LA, hoping for something more here that would be bigger than Torco. But like in that, in that time I was like, Oh, there's, unless I get a stage, there's nothing better than this. I'm never going to be ready to go. Mm. And then one day we were actually touring to California. I think it was my second time in California ever. We were in Napa Valley on a beach with Napa Valley wine that the producers bought us around a bonfire high, like everything you've ever wanted in one moment after like killing a show. Yep. Yep. And one of my cast members told a story that he had already told the group multiple times. And that was it. Like something went off my brain and I was like, (laughs) I'm done. Like, wow, hearing we're him telling each other rehash. the same stories. Oh. I've been to certain venues two or three times. Mm. Like, n- no, like it's time to let somebody else do this. Right. I was so large from Taco Bell every night and drinking mm-hmm. whiskey on the rocks mm. seven days a week mm. that like I couldn't even recognize my face in the mirror. I was so Whoa. unhealthy. Shit. Like, yeah, you're living on the road. You don't have access to healthy food. Right, right. You know, you're not really sleeping well. I never really slept well in those hotel rooms. Well, sleep, man, that that's the stuff that really adds up. And yeah. You can't, it's, can't even fully catch up on the weekends either. No. And then, of course, it was so much fun. I loved my cast and so great. But yeah, everyone always said, when you are ready, you'll know. And then they were right. And I yeah. was like, cool. And like <laughs> within a month from that moment, I had my last night and moved on. Wow. Not knowing what was next, but knowing that this part was over. Mm. Nuts. And then that was, was that right before you came to LA? Um, no, there was about a year in between uh-huh. where I ended up writing a play about violence against women mm-hmm. and doing that artist in residency at St. Mary's College. St. Mary's is in... Uh, um, like Notre Dame, South Bend, Indiana. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And then did a cruise ship contract wow. to get the final amount of money I needed to get my ass here. Wow. Yeah. How was the cruise ship? That was insane, too. <laughs> right. Like... I'm not living much, on a moving yeah. vessel. Yeah. In the in a room the size of your bathroom. Right. Like, that's insane. I mean, are you talking shit on my bathroom right now? No, I'm just trying to let people know. Yeah, he has a really small bathroom. <laughs> Honestly, the you? shower caddy How thing is hilarious. You? The shower it's caddy? It's so short. Oh, I know. And you have such a high ceiling. I know. Well, I was gifted that shower caddy from an old roommate who didn't want it anymore. Okay. But it's so it was, it's totally out of place in the rest so of the So I'm my, giving shade to that, but not like the room as a whole. Well, you got to love the shower curtains, right? You saw the shower curtains? Were no. They, oh, they, I didn't have time to spread them out. They're, they're mountains. Okay. They're beautiful. Well, then you're doing fine. Thank you. Yeah. Um... So you weren't probably getting that much sleep or exercise or anything on the cruise ship either, right? Actually, on the cruise ship, I decided to put fitness first. Hell yeah. 
um, about a year ago when I quit touring and I was at my highest weight I've ever been at, I had this moment where I was like, Case, I don't care if you're ever like a two, but you can't wear shapewear every day <laughs> in order to fit into clothes, in order to feel okay to walk around. Like I used to, I would of course wear it for shows, but I would wear Spanx tanks, underwear, shorts, a Spanx tank, which if you do not know, has like a hole cut out for your tits because you don't want to like make those smaller, right? Right. Because society, <laughs> but everything else gets sucked in like you're a fucking sausage. So I'm, my whole body is in shapewear, okay? Like just to go to the grocery store. I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. And mm. I was like, do whatever you need to do just to never wear shapewear again. Like, God bless the woman who made Spanx. She helps a lot of women feel good. Mm-hmm. But it was not a thing that I needed to partake in anymore. Mm. And so, yeah, basically the last year or two, I did Whole30. I started watching what I eat a tiny bit. Like, I still eat whatever I want. But, like, I'm not like Oprah with Weight Watchers. <laughs> yeah. But, like, just being a little bit more aware of meals... And then I, I worked out every day for four months on the ship. That's awesome. And taught myself how to run. Um, got very into yoga. Did you notice a shift in your own like personality or your own mindset? Honestly, it was more of like seeing myself again. Mm, totally, like, yeah. Looking in the mirror, and besides not only having one chin now, which was dope, <laughs> but also like, oh, that's Casey. There she is. Like that's who I am. Yeah. I just haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, no, that, that's powerful. Because um, I yeah, just have not worn any sort of constrictive undergarments in about a year and a half. That's awesome. And my my body still isn't perfect, and of course, it's still a thing that you always are thinking about. But I can wear shorts now and a t shirt, and I don't have to hide my body that's awesome and of course i'm loving my body again and that's you know that's an internal thing it's not about what people think i look like yeah i was just thinking this morning um about like you know that phrase looking yourself in the mirror uh and how sometimes it's like like how can you look at yourself in the mirror and like when i hear that phrase i usually i don't like think twice about it. i think it's just like it's a funny kind of slam i guess or whatever but then like actually thinking about when it's been difficult for me to look myself in the mirror, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. And it's usually when my actions are not aligning up with my values or what I say, like when I know I'm starting to do harm to myself, it's mm-hmm. beca- it becomes, it beca- it be- literally becomes harder to look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Like it's actually <laughs> more difficult for me because it's hard to be like, Oh man, I'm letting you down, you know? Totally. But so, yeah. Um, I mean, it's great that you're able to like look at yourself more in the mirror. It's, yeah, it's gotten not that, and I'm not to say that you weren't ever worthy. Of, we're always worthy of looking right. at ourselves in the mirror, but no, now it's out of control. Like, I think I wrote a stand-up joke that I don't think I've ever done more than once, but it's like recently put fitness first, and it's an issue. Anytime I see my own reflection, I come instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, almost trying to exaggerate this idea that like I'm fucking into myself right now. <laughs> and like that's not okay but also it is yeah um 
I don't know. Maybe it's also because I'm single now and just like so horny. And I'm like, how am I turning myself on? How is my ass turning myself on? I don't know, but I'm into it. Yeah. The, the, uh, the line for me has always been difficult. And I sometimes, you know, I, I wonder if this is related to my, uh, like Christian guilt or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes I feel like stuff might be over prescribed towards that, but maybe this is part of it where it's, uh, it's hard to find, a good balance at times between like confidence before you're worried about being cocky. At least mm-hmm. for me, I'm always like being like, Oh, all right, let's tone it down a little bit internally. But there is sometimes that means you cheat too far. Like you're shaming yourself for being proud a little bit. Honestly, too much. as a straight white male saying that that's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> Cause you guys are just real confident. I mean, yeah, that, that you can ascribe certain a lot of traits to a lot of groups, and then find individuals don't always. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, I get what you're saying though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been a it's been a journey for me finding that balance because also here's the thing though is that I've also personally experienced what it's like, and I I think a lot of it's, I I to, I've been working a lot with like my own issues with seeking external validation, but I also find value in being sensitive to how people are responding to what I'm doing. Cause that's how you like learn as a human and social creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like if I'm giving, I can tell when I'm like being more, you might say humble, but to the point where it's detrimental, that makes me less, that makes me more antisocial and makes people connect with me less than if I cheat too cocky, which is a weird thing. If I cheat too cocky, my, yeah, I'm sure some people would find it me mm-hmm. being an asshole and have found me being an asshole. That's for sure. Uh, but I also know a lot more people have more fun with me than when I'm being like too hard on myself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So it's like, it's sometimes it's harder. The, the ethics of like, is it better to be, you know, overconfident or underconfident? it's actually not super clear like which is actually better for people you know what i'm saying yeah that's tricky i've never thought about it before yeah but it's like i always get upset when like a really handsome male stand-up is like doing jokes about being ugly Mm. like it's just like nah you're a 10 like what but it's there's a huge but, but uh, now I'm thinking what you're saying is like oh maybe they actually do view themselves like as you know not that way it's you know I for, guess that's perceive yeah you perceive as you do yeah you know and it, it waffles between you know there's been times in my life where I've been more confident times in my life I'm less confident you know it's not always a yeah. static thing uh, for all of my life. And, um, I think a lot of comics in general who, you know, lean towards self-deprecating are able to either see their own bullshit. And sometimes I think there's a lot of like, I don't know if you, you want to be able to objectively, you need to be able to objectively see yourself as a comedian, I think. So mm-hmm. you understand how people are, what assumptions people make about you. Like, so with the guy, it would, it, he's not doing himself a favor by like saying, Oh, I'm not that I'm not that attractive. Like he needs to, for him to fully better relate to people. He needs to understand like, Oh, he's really attractive. Therefore some people are going to have some negative assumptions about me mm-hmm. that I, that are totally out of my control. You yeah. Know? I mean, and then you go back to like, I feel like all comedians have to be a little broken, mm-hmm. like the good ones, like, or 
vulnerable in the sense that they'll like be so real and share something so raw. Yeah. I think about that too. You know, I, I, I go back and forth and like, I think, you know, are comedians broken or it's like, you know, I, I definitely have subscribed to that. I guess not broken, but like they've been through some shit. Yeah. But you know, I guess sometimes I think like, hasn't every, isn't everybody kind of broken. And it's just that comedians have a medium where it's particularly honest and like, fairly direct compared to like music music you can indirectly say how you're feeling and it's not as like intense it doesn't have to be as intense like biographical or like feeling like it's supposed to be a real rep- like it's we allow art musicians to have a little more creative mm-hmm. license with who they're talking whose voice is it really who are they speaking on who's the 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 narrator of this uh this particular song versus like comedian that's always like well that's what he's saying that's like you know you're, you're playing on your own you it's like you, you know you as a real person is like the sort of the base reality and what you're doing a lot of jokes on sometimes right yeah yeah um all to say is that i so i feel like um acceptance has been such a huge part of my my recent work and mm-hmm. um accepting truly accepting weaknesses you know and not trying to not both, both not wanting to um, succumb to them and just say like, well, that's that's how it is forever. But also being like, yeah, I mean, that's just that's kind of the hand I'm dealt too. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, sorry, I totally no, we, went on a, a ramble, but I have a question for you though. Yeah. Um. Do you feel like the way you view yourself physically has changed a lot? Over my life? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I've lost a lot of weight and regained it and lost it. You know, so it's, I've been everything from, like, when I was, like, 13, 14, I was probably the best shape of my life because I did the weightlifting in middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, like, fit and all that good shit. And then I started doing community theater, stopped wanting to do. Uh, That's the key. Yeah. You get into the theater. The theater softened me up, man. Totally softened me up. And then uh, at some point in college, is like, halfway through college, I actually, like, finally started paying attention to what I ate and started working out again, lost some weight then regained it again, senior year, and then lost a bunch of weight after I graduated. And so it's been all, I, I've been all over the place and I've seen how it, it's interesting watching how society shifts based on how you, uh, you, you look externally. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something almost everybody can, can relate to at some point. Um, but like that, yeah, it's it becomes a little dehumanizing on both ends of it, being like, mm-hmm. oh man, to some degree, I'm just like, I'm just some kind of, um, you know, whether it's piece of, I'm just a piece of meat. I don't really feel like a piece of meat. I'm glad you said it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you have your. It sounds like you were, you were smaller before, touring, right? So your yeah. your weight has fluctuated a lot as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And have you noticed that that like shift when how people have treated you or Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day though, it was a choice just for me. Like I didn't really feel a ton of outside pressure. I mean, of course, in, in the entertainment industry there are, you know I mean, you could just keep going out for the quirky plus size character and like that's totally fine Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think for me it was just yeah i I started 
full-time touring at like 24, 25. I'm 31 now. Like, I think it was just like, hey, maybe don't die, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. But then, yeah, being able to wear a crop top is like a joy in itself that I never thought I would experience. Yeah. So, and then the sun here and... I wore shorts on my birthday this year, which is the first time I think I've ever done that in like 10 years, mm -hmm. just because it's was freezing in Chicago. <laughs> and also, I couldn't like find any shorts that fit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Do you think it's like, I think, I think it's cool that like, that we're even having this, okay, I know like, I'm not saying I, I'm woke and I'm not saying we as a society are fully woke yet. However, our relative woke level now versus a mm -hmm. hundred years ago is pretty like the conversation we just had would just wouldn't have ever happened a hundred years ago. Like, and even, you know, if we remove the obvious uh, anachronisms like for technology and whatnot, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like the idea of total body acceptance mm -hmm. and um, I, I don't know. I feel like it's, uh, it's come a long way. And I feel yeah. like, um, to like, I feel like that's something that spirituality kind of is all about at its core. And I think that it shows the progress, our spiritual progress as a society that it's the real realization more and more that external shit is sort of irrelevant compared to who you really are as a person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And taking away judgment of yourself in whichever way you decide to be at at that time, or maybe you don't decide, you know, like, mm -hmm. and let allowing that for other people too, like, yeah, you know, subconsciously judging someone immediately when they're walking down the street because we are trained mentally to like fat is bad, and you know, oh, you know, it's like no, mm -hmm. like we're all different sizes, we're all beautiful we don't know anybody's story. Yeah. What's interesting about like that, we all have little secret judgments yeah. you know, all the time. And I, that's what so much comedy is based on is like relating to our, our shared secret judgments that we didn't realize the other was, we didn't fully realize the other was making. And so then a lot of comedians, their style is to have to just confess to a lot of judgments they're making. And then, you know, the ones that don't work, just get tossed in the pile and people don't go, you know, they, don't, <laughs> they just have to be glad they didn't hear them at an open mic or whatever. But, um, and so sometimes I feel like conflicted because I think like in doing comedy and that kind of stand up, because I think sometimes it puts me in too much of a negative. It reinforces my judgmental side, which I feel like is antith antithetical to antithetical, whatever is not good for my spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the other hand, the flip side of me, devil's advocate, no pun intended, says uh, something that makes those people feel not alone. When, you know, if you're constantly judging people and you're beating yourself up for judging people, mm -hmm. hearing somebody else share that is actually a really liberating experience, right? Right, yeah. Where do you stand on all that? I agree with that. Um, you know, I think then now you're getting into like what is the job of the comedian which is so hard like you know yes we have to push the envelope and make people think and say the thing that everyone's thinking but they're too afraid to say but also they should people besides a mic 
if you're actually going to a comedy show and you paid money to be there, like, I just want people to be able to escape and, like, laugh and not think about all the hard shit, you know? Yeah, that's that that seems like what you've exactly, exactly you described seems like it's almost like two different, two different camps in comedy in general because there is your camp. And a lot of times I'm, I actually even currently am starting to appreciate that camp more and wanting to write more external, like observational shit. that doesn't have to do with anything about me. But then the other, there's another, the other camp of that is like, no, I want to relate hard to people. I want to, I want my pain to be felt versus the escapism route. And I don't think anyone is necessarily better or worse. I feel like if we're talking about stuff, we were ultimately trying to grow past, right? There's a certain amount of relatability. That's like, I feel like that's the treating of the wound, but then some, at some point we need to move on and we need to stop treating the wound and we need to let the wound heal. And mm-hmm. that's when we can move on to maybe some of the stuff that's like, doesn't have to do with anything. It's just funny life shit. Well, and if you take yourself out of it and you're actually thinking mm-hmm. about what do the people who showed up for the show need? Yeah. So it's beyond yourself. And I think that answer is to escape and laugh. Yeah. And my gift of joke writing and telling jokes, I will then use to serve these people almost, you know, in that sense, instead of, I hope I'm the funniest comic tonight because I need to be number one and feel like I'm the best. Yeah. You know, that's beautiful. Or I need, um, I need my new joke to kill because it's really funny because I'm so great. It's like, <laughs> right. no, just how can I get these people to feel good? Yeah. Did you have anything that caused that shift? Or did you, was it a shift or was it how, is that how you've always been? I think, I think that's how I've always been. I mean, I think when I first started out, you know, I needed to, get to the next thing and the next thing and you know like everyone has found out that keeps happening like there's no like finish line you have to learn how to make Um, people laugh too yeah yeah so I meant I guess what I'm saying is like I think at first I was worried about um trying to just rise to the top right you know and it was maybe a more of a internal um triumph of like trying to push my own agenda right. or like serve myself and find this purpose in comedy. Right. <clears throat> um, but I think when I'm on stage, it really is about them, but not to the point where like, I don't crowd work or anything like that. I think the best gift and the best thing I can do is show up prepared. Mm. Um, and write my jokes in a way that will probably work every time, you know, or I don't know. And just, just try to help somebody who's having a bad day. Forget (laughs) about their flat tire or their house fire or their boyfriend of six years, dumping them over the phone. You know what I mean? Hmm. Who do Um, you know like that? (laughs) Oh my gosh, dude. It's been a while. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Like, First, I just want to say that I'm okay. And I think the fucking retrograde whatever is done. So I'm moving on. It's been a pretty great week and a half, okay? Prior to that, okay? 
Right. You know about I know about the, the sad house. The sad bit. house, living with my roommate and her ex for 50 days. My Th- three breakups happen. Like three people are experiencing a breakup. Yeah. In the same house. Thank God. Two of them with each other. Four bedrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my phone was stolen. I ran my car into a dumpster. Oh my God. It's like going to be a thousand to two thousand dollars to fix. And then we had a house fire where 911 had to come. And like our whole, I thought I was going to lose everything. Anyways. Wow. (laughs) It's just been nuts. It's been a hell of a time. Yeah. And Uh, how have you, maybe this is a direct way to ask it. How have you gotten through that? I mean, is that where, how, how for me, as much as I like, obviously or it feels like you know i talk a big game with my spiritual practices and disciplines a lot of times those are the first things that get my meditation is the first thing to go mm-hmm. you know and i uh i'm not and i my exercise might be like slipping f- I, I try to keep that regular but every now and then i might slip i might miss in the workout here and there mm-hmm. and then it just snowballs on each other i mean how have you been holding up how did you hold up i think i've just been working so much that I haven't really had time to unpack it all. I mean, once the car accident happened, I was like, I could only, I, I had to just laugh. Like, right. you ran your your 2018 Honda Fit into a dumpster. Like, no one was around. You were not, you know, on any substance. Like, you were just, <laughs> just ran into it. driving home from work. Oh, you know? my God. Like, but yeah, I think I've maybe been actually working too much and being a little exhausted from that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, spiritually, it's just like, I have some great friends and family and I don't know, I yeah, still working out and trying to, I guess always just trying to find the positive that's still there. I don't know. Like, I can't even answer that yet. Like, do you have anything you do every day or is it, um, like I, 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 since I've known you, you've got gotten your aura photographed. Oh yeah. The aura photograph was pretty cool. Um, we've, we've sat in silent meditation together a couple of times. I think writing for woke Brown feminist has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times they accept my pitches that are very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think writing is something I do with all of it, whether I put it into a stand-up joke or for an article for Woke Brown Feminist or into whatever pilot I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think writing would probably be the most consistent thing. That and, like, whiskey on the rocks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Did you grow up with anything, like, religious-wise? Yeah. Uh, so... We grew up Lutheran. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I always say the L is for liberal. Um, <laughs> well, there's some conservative Lutherans out there. Yeah, but not ours. Not yours. Yeah. Yeah, we were the... Just happy times, praise service. Yeah. You know, just a bunch of singing, mm-hmm. you know. But you had, like, your stoic, like, old school services too, right? N- not no? at Not, not at your church? Lutheran. Wow. No. Uh, I... So it is capital L liberal Lutheran. Yeah, yeah. like... I mean, we we can get into what I think about religion, but that church growing up was great. It was a wonderful place, mm. you know. 
Um, I mean, I was a monster <laughs> when I was like maybe in elementary school, like fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I would like skip Sunday school and say like rude things to the teacher and like I don't know yeah I mean that lasted like a year where I was like I'm a rebel you know I'm like (laughs) drinking lemonade in the hallway yeah um but yeah in general like it was a great experience I I had a great experience with my church overall uh, as a kid too and it was interesting I was thinking I've been thinking a lot about back to like these church camps we would go it'd be like these fall like family camps where Mm -hmm. basically all the most hardcore families like of the church would go and we were also a pretty liberal presbyterian uh like moderate liberal but um and so we would all go to the mountains of north carolina these like huge this weekends it'd be like you know the men would cook breakfast and shit and like we'd be playing like egg tosses and like all these kind of all these kinds of games it just sounds like a family reunion it does except it's a bigger family and you know it's <laughs> it's something that i i've thought about is how much how different that experience like when you that's when i feel like that's what the church is really all about is getting families combining families so that you feel like a bigger family you mm-hmm. really do feel that way you're all philosophically aligned you're all totally on the you've you've all by the fact that you're all going to things like church camp that you've put in that much you're saying like we're dedicating our life to at least attempt to be this version of good mm-hmm. whatever version whatever religion it is you so can say i that. remember going to camp not with my family mm-hmm. but the last bible camp i ever went to i was 17 mm-hmm. and i had lost my virginity like the week before the camp whoa so i had a lot of sin you know in my heart and i was i remember one of the nights they were like doing the feet washing and i just started bawling because i didn't feel worthy oh wow and the feet washing thing that's the from what i understand that's to symbolize about the service aspect of christianity yeah like you should you can wash you should wash anybody's feet we all are servants to each other right 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 and, you know, I, I was fine doing someone else, but then when someone was doing mine, I was just like crying for like, and I wow. didn't want to tell them why. Cause anyways, I, it's an intimate thing. I was at a, uh, I was at a Maundy Thursday service last Easter in Episcopalian church and they made their Maundy Thursday service, like, which is the Thursday that Jesus died, uh, before Easter, mm-hmm. uh, the beginning of his three-day weekend uh there is uh there's, there's a foot washing aspect of the monday thursday service where you just walk up in a line and you basically take turns having it's just random people that take turns washing your feet and i i washed like i i had my feet washed by an old woman mm-hmm. which was so intimate and strange and it was like somebody i don't know and yet i'm feeling this maternal like love mm-hmm and it was so that was trippy and powerful. And then I had to wash the feet of like a seven-year-old girl, which was so. So I got the completely other end of the feminine spectrum. Yeah. And I, suddenly I felt, you know, I'm of service to this, this child, you know. And it was so fascinating to feel of service to not, you know, it's not just my. This isn't my child. I am. I, I am symbolically representing I am of service to all children, you mm-hmm. know, whoever, whatever child needs me. And this feeling, I just getting chills thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, the last part of that story though, um, at my camp, it w- must've been like three weeks before the camp that I 
lost my V card because I was late on my period. And so like I'm praying at all, like this whole week of like Bible prayer time. (sighs) I'm just like praying in like, or I don't know yet. Please give me my period. Like I can't be pregnant. Wow, yeah, all your all your times, all your prayers times going to just yeah, to that. All to the just energy. that. Yeah. To just that. <laughs> it's the mantra. And then we're at this like soup place, and we're canning all this soup or boxing it. And I go to the bathroom, and I had gotten my period. <laughs> so checkmate, atheists. Yeah, and I remember though that the only like chaperone was my friend Ashley Baggett's dad named Gary. Mm-hmm. And I had to ask Gary for a tampon. So maybe one? the atheists are right. You know? <laughs> Did he have one? Um, no, but he found one, I guess. That's, That's miraculous. so awkward. Okay, fine. God's real. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad we settled it. Uh, we can <laughs> call the podcast. I don't really need to do any more episodes after this. Uh, no, I'm still not sure. So you're still not, you're not sure how you feel about, how do you feel? I mean, do you go back to church ever? Yeah, when I'm in Atlanta for the holidays and things, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't really like actual church services. Mm-hmm. I don't like repeating something that was written in a program and then, you know, a bunch of like white people singing hymns that it's, a, I don't know. It It's not my cup of tea. Um I don't know. I think spirituality and religion is a personal thing. Mm-hmm. The most religious or spiritual moments I've had has definitely been outside of the church. Um, especially since my grandmother passed a few years ago. I'm like, I feel her a lot, um, which I really hadn't before. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I always joke that. I definitely have a guardian angel because I get into some crazy shit (laughs) and I somehow always come out of it. Okay. I think she's been on vacation Mm -hmm. the past six months, (laughs) which she deserves. Cause okay. In my mind, I have two things about heaven that I know for sure. Okay. Okay. One is every, everyone has a guardian angel, but the guardian angel has like five people to them. Okay. <laughs> okay. My girl goes to God and is like, uh-uh, Whitaker, I can only take on her. And God is like, okay, you only have to do Casey. But but you get a sabbatical. Uh, yeah, but then you take that whenever you want and my life falls apart. Um, and then my other thing is, is when a family member or a loved one dies and mm-hmm. they get to heaven, immediately God is like, cool, you can grant a wish for anyone of your living relatives. So God's like a genie now. No, they are the genie. Uh, gotcha. He's giving them the gift of being a genie. Oh, I okay, see. Okay, so the he gift is of real. the magi. Um, yeah. yeah. And they can catch it in right away or they can wait. Um, I always, uh, there's a story where two years ago my grandmother passed. She was actually from Chicago, so we had her funeral in Chicago where I was mm-hmm. living. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did end up having a Second City Torco show in the afternoon after the morning funeral. But my whole family was like, don't get out of it. Like, we're all going to come. Grandma would have wanted that. We need to all have a laugh. So, like, my whole entire family shows up. I do the show. It's great. And then we're going to all leave and just go to a, a restaurant and, like, drink and talk about grandma. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm leaving and our producer is like, hey, Redco, uh, the whole cast of main stage is sick. So you need to stay and do the eight o'clock, the eight o'clock and the 11 o'clock show. Whoa. Which was, you know, a little inconvenient because I was looking forward to being with my family after that. But then I thought, grandma got up there that day. Okay. It's day one. Okay. She's up in heaven. God asked her that. And she goes, oh, my oldest granddaughter, Casey, has always wanted to be on main stage at Second City. <laughs> and God's like, oh, um, I can't give her a full-time stage, <laughs> but I can give it to her for one night. And grandma's like, okay, I'll take it. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So do you, uh, I mean, do you think, do you believe in heaven? Yes. Yes. I I mean I feel like yes. I don't think I know exact obviously no one does what that is. Mhm. But I I guess I do believe that there's something after. It's not just black. Mhm. Do you know Do you? I don't know. I If I had to say I would I'd lean towards no. I lean towards maybe I just don't experience anything at all. Like a, it's not it's not a blackness. It's just a nothingness. Ooh, can we do this one questions game? I just learned. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, so you're. We'll start with this because it leads into what you just said. Okay. You are dropped into a room with four white walls. Okay. What are three feelings you have? I'm dropped into a room with four white walls. What are three feelings I have? Like, describe how you would feel. In the, okay. Like, if I was in a room. Yeah, you're, you're dropped room. in. <laughs> okay. There's no doors or windows. Right, right. Okay. Um, I would feel confined. Mm-hmm. Feel anxious. Mm-hmm. I would feel alone. So that's how you view death. Hmm. With anxiety, with that, I feel like it'll be it'll be anxious and alone and and confined. Well, who likes being confined in a four with a, a room with four people white walls? People have all different answers. People are like hell yeah, beauty. I said like, come on, I don't buy it. No, I said put them in the room and trapped. let's see how they react. I said trapped. Yep. But then I eventually got to quiet, like allowing myself to enjoy the peace of it. Hmm. I see. So, I don't. I don't feel anxious about death, though. That's the thing. I don't. I. I don't think it'll be anything to experience personally. But on the other hand, I. You know, I'm. I'm starting to really try to open myself up more to intuition, uh, which feels like it can get down a dangerous road towards intellectual dishonesty. But like, you know, I was. I was talking to somebody, the other day about Stephen. The idea of like who doesn't. They don't really believe in souls. You know, I just try to explain to them what souls I had to try to explain what source energy was which it feels like a terrible thing to try to explain to somebody that's uh, a crazy sentence to say yeah uh and then but when I was like realizing it that was like because I haven't thought for a while like do I believe in a soul and I guess yes because at this point I feel like it would take more faith for me to not believe in my soul mm-hmm. because it's something I've directly felt and experienced and I feel like it's you know what it is too? 
this is where why was spirituality is for me. This is why this is how I feel connected to my soul. When somebody says like, "Oh, did you you got your soul recharged?" What does that even mean? It's because I, to me, it's like the the essence of being human is like feeling that I am tapping into something more than human while also being human. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah. And that's I what like I that. feel. That's what I feel when I go on ayahuasca retreats. That's what I feel when I've you know, I find I'm playing music with somebody and it's just, we're making music together. Like it was earlier this afternoon and it's mm-hmm. just coming out and it's perfect. There's, it's the thing that I, it's the thing that's greater than me that I, that gives me faith in my, even yeah. myself, you know, that I yeah. can actually, I don't have to stay in. I have all the ability to connect with it, but there's also, there's so much more out there. If that makes sense. Yeah. And going back to when you asked me like how I've gotten through the past six months I think that's how, because I, I also believe that there's something bigger than myself who is helping me to get to this point in my path, whether it's all smooth or not, you know, I'm still here and yeah. I still had enough faith and belief that I was supposed to move here mm-hmm. and I haven't given up and I'm not going to. I love that. I feel that. When people, I think we're all capable of healing and a lot of people are called to healing paths they didn't even realize were healing paths Um, because they often don't start off that way. They start off as like the egoic kind of like reasons for getting it, like for me getting into comedy or whatever. But then Mm -hmm. I think we all have the ability to heal other people and there's almost, there's very few things more noble than spending a life helping heal other human beings and whatever, yeah. in whatever way you're able to. And I feel like whenever I, I've been going through a phase, I just left my day job a week and a half ago. It's been crazy. Woo. Uh, it's been good, but it's been, it's been a little crazy. And part of that is like discerning and figuring out what I want to be doing long-term, what balance of stuff with my comedy versus other things I'm kind of interested in. And that's the thing I try to return to is like, how can I, help the most i feel like because i feel like it's if i can find that then i will automatically be happy and my my needs will be Mm -hmm. met too you know which feels like a leap of faith to say that but yeah i I do believe it i mean that's how i feel about my play that was like my gift of comedy combining with my passion for women and helping them and telling their story and like that really feels like higher power stuff as opposed to when I go and do a stand-up set. Right. Like using comedy to address a topic that no one wants to touch mm-hmm. feels like the real reason I'm here. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then when you feel that, it's and, crazy how you can, I, you know, I, when I feel more in that zone versus mm-hmm. when I'm not, I just feel the universe. I feel people responding just better to me. Mm-hmm. There's something... On a pure, it's pure energetic and non-verbal uh, that just comes. This your energy just oozes that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. But you don't know. You don't know where you stand on current. You know, capital G God or whatever. I don't either. I mean, it's no, no. I don't know. Like I said, I think it's an individual thing. Like both my aunt and my mother have told me before that they've spoken to God. Mm -hmm. 
which I have not done. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, and I don't know exactly what that means for them and how it would maybe mean for you or I, but um, yeah, my aunt said when she couldn't, found out she couldn't have her own children and thought about adopting that God came to her and told her to adopt. Mm -hmm. And then my mom said when she was 22 and just got married to my father and they were living in Dayton, Ohio, she was away from all of her friends and she didn't have a job yet because they moved for his job and she was very depressed and sleeping all day. And then she said, God came and spoke to her and said that it would all work out. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, I you <laughs> have know, you ever like um, thought you heard God? I've never thought I was God, except in the, no except heard on, him. Or the, you I know, thought you just said I never thought I was God. I did say that because oh I thought God. that's what you asked. I've <laughs> no. never thought I was God. Have uh, you ever thought you heard him or her? I hope it's a woman. It can't be though. Well, you've just made a whole lot of assumptions. First of all, uh, you know what's funny is I when I when you first telling me that my first impulse was like you know, laughing at the idea of somebody talking to God. But then um, I realize, and this is through, I I feel like on ayahuasca ceremonies, I have talked to God. It feel, that's what it feels like. I don't know if it's actually literally God I'm talking to or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, in the ayahuasca ceremonies, the chief uh, deity is a woman. It's mother, grandmother, abuelita, mother ayahuasca. I just mean if God's a woman and like this is the state of our country, and like Handmaid's Tale. Oh, right. Then right, right. It, I was making a joke. I gotcha, gotcha. It could uh, totally be a woman. I mean, I feel, I don't, I don't feel like there's, if I, I don't know, it, it's hard to say what, exactly what I believe in. It feels like God is both, has a, you know, I think of great spirit as like a, a grand masculine version of this, the masculine divine energy. And, you know, the great mother is the great, um, feminine kind of divine energy. Mm-hmm. I think we all possess both within us. We're all, we have different percentages and degrees of that, of feminine and masculine energy. Um, and it doesn't matter what gender, uh, you were born with, but we all have different representations of that or it doesn't matter sex you were born with rather, I should say. And then, uh, so I don't know if it's like the same, I don't think it's a separate being either. I feel like it's the being. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, it's it. It's, this greater force field this that's what i talk about when i talk about source energy right is the connective tissue Mm -hmm. it's the the force of life within me that's also in animals that's also in plants that makes things want to grow you know that's that's for life advancing whatever that love right i feel like it's all it's all the same thing and we sometimes call it the collective consciousness we have so many fucking names for it but i know it's bigger than me and Mm -hmm. i feel like when i've been on the medicine I have gotten specific information and that's what we talk about a lot. A lot of people who have gone to ceremonies or had other LSD or, you know, my, uh, mushroom trips or whatever. It feels like information is like down is uploaded into me as far as like clear messages, mm-hmm. a way to observe my life at more of a distance and with love too simultaneously. Then I'm often able day to day to, to zoom out enough and experience that. Right. And so I can yeah. get a glimpse of, I can glimpse myself through a more loving lens. Um, and that's, that's usually what, you know, the specific information will always be 
contextual to like whether I was working on something with my parents or I was going through a loneliness thing or whatever it is. It's not always going to be the exact same messaging, obviously, but the overall gist is one of self love mm-hmm. and that the universe loves you and that you are a gift to the universe. We're all gifts to the universe. Right. Um, and it's oftentimes it's about remembering that, you know? Yeah. And it, or sometimes it's about accepting the responsibility of that too. Um, to, I feel like I have a responsibility to give my gift. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's your, I guess that's your answer. I feel like maybe I have, but it's hard. It also feels so audacious and crazy to but say I that. Think, yes. But I think what, with everything you just said, I think to summarize that self love and that connection that we feel with our soul allows us to be open to the signs to when I feel my grandmother, when I'm washing dishes to when I see, you know, a certain animal or butterfly or something and know that that's this person right? or to hearing something higher. Right. I mean, an actual voice. I mean, right. it's all, it's all because you've done the work and you can hear it. Right. And like you're mentioning, like animal spirits. I mean, I, I, I have an, I have a couple of animal totems of my own. Now. I have my badger that I've now have a tattoo of, but, uh, you know, there's something about working with animal spirits and really thinking about okay, what then I have one more question. represents. What's up? What's your favorite animal and three adjectives to describe it? Oh, it's currently the badger. Okay. Three adjectives. Uh, fierce, persistent, Mm-hmm. And passionate. Cool. So, and that's supposed to be how others view you. Sure. I don't know if that's actually true. I don't know if that's how they view me. I would agree with those. Hell yeah. Thank you. Uh, what's your favorite article of clothing? Uh, I mean, I like these pants a lot. <laughs> actually, my favorite article was my peacock pants for sure. Okay. And why? What's the three things about that? They look like peacocks. They're comfy as hell. And, uh, can go a long time without washing them (laughs) okay and that's how um (laughs) that's how you want people to view you (laughs) just like comfy as hell yeah i'm not comfortable and peacock what i mean what's the thing about peacocks like showy showing off yeah you know beauty they're just beauty yeah yeah you want people to see you as a beautiful peacock yeah it's beauty that uh not the Katy perry song right that song is so bad i don't even know that song it's no i'm not even gonna sing some of it um so i think what oh, what time were we we're oh shit yeah we're about close to wrapping up okay um i feel i wish i could do the questions thing back at you Oh, I'll just tell you because I did it at this brunch the other day. <laughs> yeah, spiritual um, brunch. Yeah, so my animal, and this was before I knew what yeah. they meant. Um, my animal was horse, and I picked a horse because they're strong, free, and sensitive. Mm-hmm. So that would be how other people view me, maybe, hopefully. And then my article of clothing was a parrot coat. Okay. So similar to Peacock, yeah. It's just this kind of fun coat. And the reasons for that was um, it was authentic, different, and um, loud or something. Yeah, my small head. It made my small head look really good. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so I guess that would be how I would okay. want others. But yeah, it totally kind of fits where it's like, you know, a little bit. It's just a fun thing to do. There's one more. I, have, I also have, but, one. I have one okay. more question for you, too. Okay. It's probably not the question you're going to ask. Okay, I'll do mine and then, yeah. okay. What's your favorite body of water and the three reasons why, or like three adjectives about it? It can be- A specific body of water it or- It could be the Mediterranean. It could be a bathtub. It could be a puddle. Any kind of body of water. My favorite body of water. Hmm. That's a tough one. It might be a mountain creek. It's a mountain creek. Okay. Yeah. Three adjectives. Three adjectives. It's natural. Mm-hmm. It's um, elusive. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is unlikely. Okay. So what do you think those ones are for? I don't know. That's how you um, view sex. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I love it. That is, um, I, that's perfect for, <laughs> unfortunately that's perfect for what I'm going through. Isn't it amazing? Um, I had said a jacuzzi tub i used to have this really wonderful jacuzzi tub and at this garden unit in chicago before i had a feces flood anyways um Yikes. but i had said it was because it was like um like private bougie and like i don't know something else and it's like of course that's exactly oh, wow. the kind of sex bougie. i'm looking for <laughs> like i don't want anyone to know no one watch this mm. it's private <laughs> Anyways, what was your Meanwhile, question? I just, it's mine's elusive and Yours I'm like, is just like <laughs> natural. Like when you said natural, I was like, hell yeah. Just like raw dog. And it. then, and then, but unlikely and yeah, elusive. Right. So sad. Uh, my last question. Mountain Creek sex. Uh, my last question, yeah. which is not as fun, but I think it'll wrap up the podcast on a good note. Maybe. Do you think you'll get into heaven and why or why not? Yes. Bec- yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because even though I know I make mistakes and I'm not perfect, I really truly do try my best to help others and heal others and treat others the way I want to be treated. So not everybody gets gets into heaven. Is that what? But you just asked if I thought I was right. I'm just, I'm just trying to understand. But you, because I answered the second part, was that a trick? No, you didn't. It wasn't a trick. It was. Uh, I wanted you to answer the second part, but then it sounds like. Oh no! I didn't even think about that. See, now I'm immediately worried <laughs> for other people because I'm a good person. No, right. Um, I was just saying, like, if you're, if you're like <laughs> listing why you think you'll get in, you're like listing like your credentials. You know, yeah, it's a, isn't that what you asked? application process. Yeah, yeah, I saw that show on Netflix. Right. Uh, what if I told you, yes, I'll get into heaven because everybody gets into heaven. Would you buy that? I mean, I, I would hope so. I don't think I'd want people to be turned away, no matter what they did. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you don't know. You just don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, oh, that's so deep. 
Well, come back when you fucking figured it out, Casey. Okay, I found out that God's real today, so That's we're true. good. We're, okay. uh, <laughs> one thing at a time. Just go have your natural, elusive sex. I will. <laughs> I will, and I will not enjoy it. Um, okay. Casey, we didn't even talk about like our little hangout in our little group. Oh, yeah. our res- We've become good friends. Yeah. I really appreciate you, and I appreciate... I appreciate you being able to talk about my feelings before I get into my therapist office at the end of the month. Oh, good. So that's how I've gotten through this six months is like medical. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. <laughs> I'm going to figure my shit out. Word. Um, Word. But until then, it's been our group. Yeah. To be able to share those thoughts and feelings. And I appreciate it. Y'all got to come down to the, uh, the Venice beach drum circle sometime. I'm telling you, you got to come down. You got to check it out. <laughs> You're like not feeling it, but you should be feeling it. It's fine. I mean, I, I'm gonna kidnap everybody. Can I go. be high? Yeah, of course. People oh, get you high I, there. I do want to plug one thing. Yeah, plug. I, we're about to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Plug. Where can people find you? Plug. Oh, both. I don't. That's just CaseyWhitaker.com. Okay. But I discovered weed bath bombs. Okay. Cool. They're made Tight. by Kush Queen. Okay. They're only eight dollars at this at retailers across the city dispensaries. Yeah. You drop you, you you make a bath. You drop your little weed bath bomb. It you gets get you high. In, yeah, I don't know if it's like high high or just relaxes all your muscles with the what's the other one THC or whatever mm-hmm. CBD CBD yeah CBD being the but I think maybe there's also weed yeah. in it. Okay, I think there is. I have to look this up. I think it's both, but I have never, ever felt more relaxed and good. Oh, that's a good plug. Okay. And what about and any maybe show you want to plug? I, can talk to God. I thought you were going to talk about a show you were going to plug. Oh, no. Like, can I plug one thing? No. I mean, all my shows are on my website if you really right. care. But I really just wanted to say take care of yourself, get high in your bath. <laughs> I mean, you can't improve upon that spiritual advice. Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you for coming over. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Hope you had a good time. I did. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste right here. I knew that. (laughs) That's the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Casey for coming. Go to chooseyourownreligion.com for old episodes, blog posts, Facebook page where you can learn about the live show on June 3rd at 6.30 p.m. in Los Feliz. If you're in Los Angeles, I hope to see you there, wherever you are. I love you. Thank you for being who you are. Jamaste.